Good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. We've got some more folks that are going to be coming in here in the next few minutes. We're glad to be worshiping with you today. Thank you for joining us here at Flagstone. For those of you who are joining us online, uh, thank you for clicking on and joining us as well. We're glad to have you with us this morning. I know we got a lot of folks, uh, or at least several folks, that are already um, out of town because of the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. And then we got a lot of folks that are in town because the Thanksgiving holiday is here. So we're glad to have guests with us today. We're glad to have uh, our Flagstone family with us as well. When you walked in the door this morning, hopefully somebody handed you one of our bulletins. And if you didn't get one when you walked in today, make sure you pick one up before you leave this morning. There's a lot of information there about uh, things that are coming up this week for our church family. We want you to be aware of that. Um, some, some different activities for us and, and for our teens. <coughs> Excuse me. I was at the Arkansas game last night. I'm, I'm uh, suffering consequences from yelling things that I'm sure they heard. Anyway, I uh, want to make sure that you get that you get this bulletin this morning, especially if you're one of our guests, make sure that you get one of these today and, and take the time, if you would, to click on this QR code that's up in the top right corner. We'd like for all of our guests to do this, and you can do it right now if you want to. It won't take you very long. And, and when you click on that, that will bring up a form on your phone uh, for you to share some contact information with us. Just tell us who you are, where you're from, and uh, just, you know, we're, we're not going to bombard you with a lot of visits and calls and texts, uh, but we just want to know who you are. We want we want to thank you for joining us for worship and maybe give you the opportunity to ask some questions about Flagstone, about different ministries that we have and how you can get plugged into some of those things. So please do that if you're a guest with us today. Again, it won't take you but a few seconds to fill out that information for us. We'd like for you to do that right now if you would. Uh, and then later on this morning, I'm going to draw your attention to uh, some of the, the stuff here in the middle, the QR code with some different organizations that we want you to be aware of. And you can go ahead and click on that code now and see some of the some of the different uh, agencies and, and ministries that, that um, we are uh, wanting to draw special attention, special attention to today that help with uh, foster care and adoption and helping um, you know, families um, in those kinds of needs. And so we want you to be aware of those things as we, as we actually focus on that this morning. So I wanted to draw, those things, um, draw your attention to those things in our bulletin today. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. We will be taking community together this morning. And when that time comes, uh, we will... Um, uh, have some thoughts and, and a prayer for uh, for the bread. We'll pass out trays, and in the trays are individual cups, and in each cup is a little piece of bread. And you'll just uh, take a cup, eat the bread, pass the tray on to the next person, and uh, that's how we'll take communion. We'll do the same thing with the juice when when that time comes as well. So I wanted you to know, especially if you're guests with us, that's how we'll take communion together this morning. The last thing I wanted you to be aware of is we do have childcare available uh, for all of our kids from babies up to third grade. And so if you have kids uh, in that age group and you've got them with you this morning, you're welcome to keep them with you. But if you want to take advantage of our, of our kids' ministry, you're welcome at any time during our worship time today to walk right across our lobby to the kids' check-in area. And we've got volunteers ready to take care of your kids while you continue to worship with us. And so feel free to, to do that uh, at any time this morning. If you want to keep your kids with you, you're more than welcome to. If it would help, uh, we do have activity bags available for all of our kids those are at our children's check-in area as well. There's coloring sheets and, and um, just activities for, for them uh, to keep them engaged while you engage and worship with us. And so we wanted you to know that, uh, if that would help you this morning. I'm glad to be worshiping with you. It's going to be a little, if you're a part of our Flagstone family, it'll be a little bit different today. We've got some folks uh, that are going to come up and share some of their personal stories uh, with you. And uh, we're talking about being thankful. We're talking about being full of thanks for what God has given us. That's what this... This month is all about for the Flagstone family. 
And so we're going to do that again today with the songs we sing, with the, with the messages, the stories that we're going to hear from some families who are thankful for the opportunity to uh, provide foster care and, and to even adopt uh, kids in their home. You're going to get to hear those stories today. And, uh, and we're going to remind ourselves of the opportunities that we had to be a blessing to families in this community as well. So I'm glad you chose to be here this morning. Uh, I'm glad that, that you chose to worship with us. I'm glad that you're online with us today. We're going to start off with a prayer, ask God to bless our time of worship, and then after that we'll stand together and start singing praises to our God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be here, to be together. Thank you for the guests that you have sent to us today. And God, we, we just pray that as we start to enter this time of worship, that we would put away the things uh, in, in our minds and our hearts that would distract us from being here in your presence. I pray that, that as we share with each other today and as people share their stories with us, that we would not only, not only hear their words and hear from their hearts, but we'd hear you. We, we would know that you were putting some things in front of us today that we need to hear. And so I pray that that's what happens today, God. And I pray that, that as we just move through this worship time, that we feel not only feel your presence, but we feel... Uh, a sense of, of thanksgiving and a sense of awe of all the different blessings that you have given us, including our families and our homes and our safe places to live. Thank you for giving us those things. And God, I pray right now that, that we would, that we would uh, give you glory and honor and praise as we worship you and that, you would, uh, that we would allow you to move through our hearts uh, during our worship time today. So bless us, uh, bless us as we sing, bless us as we pray, bless us as we hear from, from these uh, folks sharing their stories, and we hear from you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's get on our feet this morning. Good morning, Flagstone. Wonderful, so wonderful is your unfailing love. Your cross has spoken mercy over me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could fully know how glorious, how beautiful you Cause nothing on earth is as beautiful 
So we started a couple weeks ago talking about being thankful. And again, if you're a guest with us, uh, you may have seen this on the bulletin you see on the screen right now. You're like, oh, bless their hearts. They don't know how to spell thankful. They misspelled it. Uh, it's intentional. We were talking about being full of thanks. And we started talking about this, like I said, a couple weeks ago, about, about recognizing the blessings that God has given us and being so full of gratitude and so full of thanks for different things that he has done for us that we allow that thanksgiving, that thankfulness. I'm so full of that thanks that it just overflows out of my heart, out of my life, into the lives of other people. I choose to bless other people with the blessings that God has given me. The overflow of what he has blessed me with, I, I pour those things into the lives of other people. And so we even put that into practice. Like last week, we, we instead of meeting in here for our normal worship time, we met uh, another part of our building and we spent a good part of an hour just packing meals for hungry people because we recognize we've been blessed with refrigerators full of food. We've been blessed with the ability to go through the drive-thru and get different things and go to the grocery store and get different things. And we recognize that other people don't have those kinds of blessings. And so we were so full of thanks that we poured, literally poured beans and rice uh, into bags to give to hungry people in Northwest Arkansas because we were full of thanks and, and thankful for the opportunity to bless somebody else with the things that we have. And so we're continuing that theme uh, this morning. We are um, hopefully discovering that God has blessed us in more ways than, than, than we probably pay attention to. And we're discovering, hopefully, ways that we can use those blessings to bless other people. So this morning we're, we're kind of focusing on something that maybe a lot of us don't don't think about being thankful for. And that is the fact that a lot of us have safe homes uh, with people who love us and care about us, and we love and care about them. And that doesn't mean that there's not conflict in our homes. That doesn't mean that there's, there's you know, not issues every once in a while. But, but a lot of us, we, we have a safe place to be. We have people who care about us, and we have families who would do anything for us even if they drive us crazy sometimes they would do anything for us and they want to find ways to bless us and we want to find ways to bless them not everybody has that and we recognize we're recognizing this morning that especially kids in this area there's a lot of kids that don't have that they don't have safe places to call home they don't have families that they know care about them they don't have parents that that um, can provide for them that can provide physically for them, that can provide the emotional support th that they need, the love and, and the compassion that they need. And so if we have those things in our home, we need to be aware of how we can use the blessings that we have to pour those things into the lives of those who don't. So specifically this morning, we're talking about foster care and we're talking about adoption. And we're talking about the opportunity to bless the lives of some kids who need that kind of blessing in their lives. And so what we're going to do is we, we uh, are allowing a couple of different um, couples in our church who have uh, devoted themselves to foster care and to adoption. They've, they've gone out and done it. And they're going to share their stories of fostering kids and, and adopting kids into their home. And so uh, uh, we'll have um, Ryan and Jolene Smith who are going to share their stories. They've, they've uh, fostered kids. They've worked with foster care organizations. They've worked with the call uh, in Northwest Arkansas, and um, they have adopted the children, some of the children that they fostered, and 
Uh, now, um, I know Ryan, I'm assuming both of you are working with Share Blessings, uh, which is um, an adoption service um, here in Northwest Arkansas. They're going to share their story first, uh, and then uh, Brandon and Morgan Dodd are going to share their story. And you know, many of you know Brandon has been working with the Flagstone family as a youth minister for seven years now. Uh, and he and uh, Morgan were fostering two kids that they have now adopted into their home, and so they're going to share some of their story with us today. So this is what we're going to do for the next little bit, is allow this church family, our guests, to hear these awesome stories, how God used them and used the, the blessings that they have to pour into the lives of these children that needed them. So, Ryan and Jolene, start us off. morning. I'm, leading up to, the, to today, my two biggest fears were that I would get overly emotional. Um, so I brought tissues. And then I remembered, you know, most of you know my parents, so you won't be surprised if I get emotional. Um, and the second was that we would use up too much of our time. But then now that we've been here, I was like, Marshall never worries about how much time he's taking, so I'm not, <laughs> not going to worry about how much time we're taking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we wanted to start off with just how we got involved in foster care and adoption. It is actually a very long story, but we're going to pinpoint a moment for us that stands out the most in our minds as a time when God was just directly spoke to us, I believe. Um, so we, we attended a church in St. Louis while we were young and married and did not have any kids. Um, and just one Sunday in the announcement sheet, they had a notice that there was a need for foster parents. That particular church had a foster care ministry that um, was actually a preventative foster care where parents would come and bring their children and the church would help out by watching the children while the parents got their life together. Um, and I saw that announcement and the, one of the elders got up and brought it to everyone's attention and I spent the next well, the entirety of the church service writing an essay to Ryan <laughs> about why this would be a good idea. He, he still yes, keeps it in uh, his Bible. So, yeah, this is uh, dated two, 2007, and yes, we still carry it around in our Bible, and I'm going to read a, a bridge version so it makes sense, but um, this is what happened, yeah, 15 years ago. You'll think I'm random, but don't we normally think of adoption as a last resort rather than a primary option? You know, I've had a lot on my heart lately, but seeing this announcement this morning seemed like an answer to this question that's been burning in the back of my mind. Since reading the book, Lo reading Lolita in Tehran, I've been worried about how to fix such an evil world. Then reading Blue Like Jazz, I've thought about my own selfishness. Follow my logic because I really want to talk seriously about this. To make the world less even, evil isn't the only solution to raise and care for children. Maybe we can't sell everything and move to Iran or China or Africa, but we can bring a little of that here for so many children who have been abandoned. And on the flip side I wrote, you'll think I'm lying, but I thought the same thing during class and of you. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> that, that was the crazy part. <laughs> I was <laughs> expecting a whole like eye roll. And, um, but yes, it was an outstanding moment. And I'd like yeah. to say that we went straight into adopting right then. We like ran out the door and found a child. That was not the case. Um, God worked on our hearts for many years after that in each phase of our journey brought new things to light and new needs to light that continue to 
down the path that we ultimately have taken. And, um, and that path has been bumpy. Ryan's gonna share a little bit about what's hard about college. Yes, yeah, so one of the questions Marshall has what's difficult, but I wanna start off by reading, um, yeah, three verses first. Um, the first verse is uh, Psalms, oops, go back one. Psalms, oh, yep, Psalms 68, 5, uh, I'll, just, I'll just read it from my Bible here, <laughs> uh, yeah, 68, uh, verse 5, um, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow, is God in his holy habitation. Then in Isaiah 1, 17, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. And then in James 1, 27, he says, pure and holy uh, religion is caring for the orphan and the, um, and the widow and remaining unspotted from the world. And I love these, uh, I obviously love these verses, obviously they've changed my life, um, but I love that God defines himself in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament it says, how do you get to know me? By doing, by doing what I am, I'm father to the fatherless. And uh, I'll never forget hearing a preacher in uh, Tulsa talk about, you know, how do you get to know somebody? You go and do what they do and you are where they are. If, you're a guy and you have a new girlfriend in high school, you're not going to not spend time with her or find out what she likes. And, um, and that's the exact same thing. And, and once you do that, your eyes are open to some pretty awful things. And that's one of the hardest things um, is realizing the huge need out there um, to care for these children. So um, that's one of the most difficult things. And that's why we never uh, miss a chance to, to have a call to action when we do get a, a minute to speak. So... Um, you know, I would say, obviously, I believe every one of you, if a child showed up on your doorstep, would take them in and care for them, at least for a night, and find, you know, support for them. Um, but the truth is, that's not really ever going to happen. But there's also the truth that there's thousands of children in Arkansas, in our state right now, that don't have permanent homes, and hundreds just in northwest Arkansas that don't have homes. And, um, and the need is great, and that's why I want to story, share a story of, um, of a boy that I'll call Jack. And um, while we were open for foster care, we got a call one morning and we didn't have any more room. And, and sharing with Jolene this morning, I found out you can show some of the yeah, backstory. We actually got this. this call. Um, we were hosting, you were hosting a foster care training here at Flagstone in the, in the old building. And I, we got this call for two children who were being moved out of the foster home that they were in. And the caseworker didn't have a place to take them. And we didn't have enough room in our house. And I was like, well, I'm not going to have the kid running around at the office, at the office with her all day. So had left a training here. Yep. So, yeah, we're opening up more foster homes so they would have space. Um, but, yeah, this eight-year-old boy shows up on our doorstep with his uh, one-year-old sister. And, the um, yeah, the, the social care worker is holding his little sister. And he's got uh, the diaper bag hanging from his two small shoulders. And... Um, it's, we have lots of stories like this, but I'll never forget his face when he showed up and the, you know, he had old jeans on and boots and a monster truck shirt, but yeah, seeing his face, uh, and that struggle that you see in a kid's eyes when he's trying to be strong for his sister, um, he's obviously terrified himself and he's on the verge of tears and holding him back. And, um, you spend the next hour trying to get him to feel comfortable and it feels useless because how are you going to comfort a child that you can't even say you're going to spend the night here? And right now, we don't know where you're going to spend the night. How is he ever going to be? And how is that ever going to be fixed in his entire life is the real question. And um, so you spend that time. And then at one point, his sister, you know, 
she was able to pull up and walk around a little bit and she pulled the glass off the counter and, and made a mess and before I could even get there he was already cleaning up and apologizing for his sister and I'm like it's not a problem but you could see the terror in his eyes and it seemed to go beyond just the fact that he was uncomfortable in that situation and it's those times that you don't even want to ask or know what might have happened to him and his sister and his parents or his, their abusive boyfriend and um yeah, it's those times when you, yeah, realize the brokenness of the world. And uh, he was there that day, and as he walks out the door, you know, all you can do is pray that God gives him comfort that only he can provide. Um, but obviously, we're here to help in that. So that's the story of that, and, uh, and that's, those are the hardest things. Uh, you know, losing faith, um, it's definitely the only, one of the times that you learn what real faith is in God. Uh, but sometimes you lack the faith in God, sometimes in his church, and sometimes just in humanity. Um, but there are reasons to celebrate, and I'll hand it over to Jolene for the, the thankful part. I know. We, there's always hope. Yep. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so there there's so many ways that foster care and adoption have been a gift to us. Um, we're One of the primary things that we're thankful for is to be witnesses to other families being healed and receiving healing. Um, despite our very full row of children, we actually haven't kept every child that's come to our home. Most of them have gone back to a family member. Um, and it has been the greatest privilege probably of my life to walk into a, a home and return a child and be able to rejoice with that family to tell them that we've been praying for them and hoping for them and wanting this for them um, and to see that family come back together it doesn't always happen when it does happen god is god working and and we get to see that um we're thankful for the impact it's had on our on our own children um when before jay came to us which is the first child that we adopted. Um, we had been foster parents for about three months, and to illustrate how crazy we were, we were we were foster parents for three months. I was uh, five months pregnant with Paige. Audrey was four. We had two foster kids and their teen sister on the weekend, and we're still getting calls because you will always get calls. And uh, Ryan was out of town, and I was getting multiple calls. For Jay and so I got Ryan on the phone and after talking for a while we decided yes we could make this work if the other kids were on board and so I, I turned the question to them and I said you know fully expecting that there was either gonna be a debate or that they were just gonna flat out say no and the first thing out of their entire the entire group was so you said yes right when is he getting here and I said well no I haven't said yes yet and when I said that, everything got turned back on me. They're like, well, we have a bed. We have a room. We have the space. He needs a house. What, why wouldn't you just say yes? And, um, and so that changed me. Foster care didn't actually change my kids. It's kept their hearts pure because they didn't see a problem. They just saw a need. And it was simple. We have it. Let's give it. Um, and I love that. I'm very thankful for that. 
Um, we're beyond grateful for the family that we have. Obviously, the family in the form that we exist would not exist if it wasn't for foster care and adoption. And that's, there's some pain that goes along with that, but it is a huge joy. I, you know, we may get on each other's nerves, um, even when I wish that they would do better, even when they wish that I would back off, <laughs> even when they eat all the food in the house and leave all the laundry for, <laughs> that they leave. Um, it's still an amazing blessing and a blessing to have this church family. And you guys have, um, from the beginning, when we first said, when we first approached the elders years ago about wanting to do an adoption Sunday or a foster care Sunday, the marshal and the rest of the elders and deacons were just like, yes, absolutely. When do you want to do it? And, and it's always been that way. Um, and we love that and appreciate that about you guys. Um, and the last thing is, uh, I believe God establishes practices and institutions in this world to point as signposts towards what eternity is going to be like. And adoption is one of those signs. Um, the fact is that in the Eden that God created for us, adoption, there would be no need for it. But sin and death changed that. Oh, gosh. Um, sin and death have taken things away from me and Ryan. They've stolen things even more precious from my children. And they'll continue to do that. Um, and I believe that the devil works against us, that he wants us to think that the things that we desire most are just to get a shinier car or a bigger house. But that's not what's living inside of us. Our it's Eden that lives inside of us. And along with that desire that God has to restore it. And I'm forever thankful that because of the journey that we decided to take in faith, that we're not blind to that anymore. Satan's never going to convince us again that everything's fine and comfortable. Because we can see it's broken. And he's also never going to blind us again to the things that God is doing to fix it. Because I can see that now too. Um, in Romans 8, Paul paints this picture of, uh, in which you and me and the entire creation is uncomfortable and oppressed and dissatisfied, suffering and groaning and waiting for one thing. You know what that thing is? It's our adoption as sons. Because our deepest desire is to be claimed, to be named, to be loved to be included and to be reconciled back to our rightful place. So for now, it's a gift to be able to participate in adoption here because it gives us a glimpse of what the love of God must be like. A little peek behind the curtain of eternity. Even though the adoption that we practice here on earth is just a shadow of what he's going to do because when he fixes it, it's going to be perfect. There won't be tears at that adoption ceremony. <laughs> Unless they're tears of joy. Um, it's a tangible reminder of that he is making all things new. Now we see us through a glass darkly, but then we shall see in full. Now we know in part, but then we will know in full, even as we're fully known.
Yes, thank you. And yeah, we, sorry. Yeah, we hope that we touched somebody like we were touched 15 years ago. And, um, and yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to catch us after church or anytime. Anytime. But, yes, obviously anytime now that you know us. So thank you. Uh, Morgan and I were talking, um, and it's 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 really good that neither of us are very emotional. Um, so you're like, man, we should have gone first because now our hearts are just like mushy, <laughs> squishy. <laughs> um, uh, my name is Brandon Dodd. Uh, I am the youth minister here uh, at Flagstone Church and have been for seven years, which is really cool. Um, and this is my beautiful bride, uh, Morgan Dodd, and she is a nurse in the ER of uh, Arkansas Children's Northwest down in Springdale. Um, we have, our, our Marshall asked us, the same as um, the, the Smiths, to share our story. Um, and so we have served as uh, foster care parents um, for almost two years. And from, from fostering, we have adopted uh, two children um, through that, uh, Remington and Raina Dodd. <laughs> so foster care as a married couple without kids is kind of, kind of weird, I guess. It seemed that that was the case when we announced that we were going to be foster parents. A lot of people were like, oh, can y'all not have kids? And we were like, uh, well, that's really personal, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we can. And like, we, we honestly haven't like come to that yet, so we don't know. Um, but we both 
have kind of talked about that even from our dating relationship we knew that in some way or form that was going to be part of our story um both of us were heavily involved in missions growing up i went over um, into mexico probably 14 times by the time i was 20 and worked with an orphanage there that i'm really passionate about um and then i work in pediatric medicine <laughs> and so unfortunately um i see the worst of the worst um, I was a PT nurse before I worked in the ER, and my very first patient death ever was from a child abuse case. And that's just not something that sat right with us. Um, and so kind of the way that it happened with you guys, Ryan Jolene, um, things just like kept coming up. Like we would meet someone in Walmart, and their foster parents, or they had been adopted or whatever. And so me and Brandon kind of like pushed it aside, like, okay, yeah, we get it, we get it. And it almost felt like we had to do that more and more frequently as things came up, like, okay, like this is obviously from the Lord and we're just not ready and we're just putting it aside. And um, funny, Connie Horton, the call gala was coming up and, you know, we'd heard about it. Some of our friends had just started, the Manchester's had just started foster care and the call gala came up and I was like, okay, Brandon, if it's meant to be, then I'm going to get tickets to the call gala. And I went online and they were sold out. And I was like, okay. It's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. And then Connie Horton called me and said, hey, Chris doesn't want to go to the call gala. You want to go with me? And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And so it was kind of that moment that I was like, sorry, Chris. Thank you like, for not going. Thank you for not <laughs> Look going. Look what happened. Yeah. So um, it was not, you know, a pinch. It was a push. Um, and we're so grateful, so, so grateful. Um, but like we said, it was never um, weird. Like it was the norm. It wasn't an alternative family plan. It was a need that we were meeting and it wasn't different. It yeah. was just the next step for our yeah. family. Which was cool because it, it, it felt comfortable. Well, in all the ways that it could feel comfortable <laughs> moving into a space like that because I had just, just like Morgan grown up going on missions, uh, grown up around not only foster families, but uh, adoptive families. And so the church uh, that I grew up in, it was almost a given of that most of your children may not be biological. Uh, and so I grew up around that. I was mentored by former foster kiddos uh, and I mentored uh, former foster uh, kiddos. And so we were surrounded by that. And so for us to make a decision for an alternate lifestyle was like, this isn't, this is life, <laughs> so why would we not step into this? But that doesn't mean that we weren't um, very afraid <laughs> and very fearful of what uh, that looked like. So we signed up uh, for training with the call um, in September of 2020, all virtual, um, which I wish we could have been together for that, but it was still good. We actually made friends within that call. Some of, some of those friends that we had had before, some of those people are here with us today, supporting us, which is super cool. Um, but the friends that we made virtually became friends that we have in life and that help us through all that stuff. Um, and in all honesty, that training is essential and to need and to see all of the things that are needed. But there's a scary reality about all that too, that they will share with you everything that could and, could and will go wrong. Um, and it's to prepare you, to show you the things that will happen. And there was a couple of things that Morgan and I um, had legitimately fear had legitimate fears and concerns for. <laughs> we call it the smiths. 
Yeah, we called the Smiths. We, we called our people. We called, I called a lot of you and said, man, what does this even look like? Um, and the first thing that I thought of was, um, it was, uh, I don't know if I, like it's a, it was a form of um, postpartum depression of right after we started receiving children into our homes, we realized this is different than the life that we currently have. Uh, I, I personally, I shared with Luke Jackson, I was mourning my mornings because um, we were waking up at 5.30, not by choice. Um, and uh, we were uh, up before the sun came up watching Peppa Pig, and that was just a part of it. And um, so to... Blippy, uh, man, what an icon. Um, <laughs> but with, if you don't know, don't look it up. Um, like realizing that our life was going to be different. Um, and I remember looking at Morgan and saying, like, I am not sure if I like the life that we now have. And being, being very honest about that, about this, I feel like we took a step in the wrong direction. You know what I told him? I said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel because this isn't forever. <laughs> and it's forever, and it's the best, but we didn't know. We didn't know. And that was what consoled me. Yes, that's right. This isn't forever. <laughs> Blippi will not be forever. He's eternal. Um, uh, <laughs> In all, in all retrospects, though, um, there was some, there was some real moments of that we realized that we can help them in the capacity that we can help any of the children that walk through our door. Um, but the truth is, is that even after adopting Raina and Remington, the, the work of what we have forward will continue to present itself in their lives forever. Um, just because they're adopted doesn't mean that they have never had trauma and have never had problems and have never been through the things that they've been through. Um, and so sometimes we felt helpless to help them, but at least we could rely on our former parenting uh, to do all that. Uh, we had no kids. They were our first kids. Um, this is good. <laughs> they made us parents. But, uh, yeah, in truth, as we were signing up to figure out in what capacity we wanted to do foster care, there were a couple of different paths. And the paths uh, that, um, and Morgan kind of explained it better to me because I was super fearful. She said, we want to be on the path of foster, foster to adopt, right? Is that what foster it was called? Foster will adopt. Foster with the willingness to adopt. Yeah. So there's a couple of different paths that you can go. At least the call helped us with that of like, I'm only fostering. I'm not in, I'm not in a, um, like I don't want to adopt ever. And so you can be in that path or the I'm fostering with openness to adopt if that, per, that, that is there. And I told Morgan, I don't see that as a part of our, I don't see adoption as a part of our plan. I see a need for foster care. I see the need. I know that there are thousands of kids in this, in this state alone, hundreds, just like um, Ryan said that need our help and I see us in that capacity being a, a home that's open for kiddos um, and foster or adoption wasn't necessarily a part of my plans but we did want to be a part of uh, reunification um, and reunification is really the main goal of foster care unless it's proven otherwise that that's not the safest thing for the kiddos so reunification is the joy that Jolene was talking about that as you have a kid, that you're not a glorified babysitter, that you're a part of the redemptive story of 
God bringing a broken family in front of him and restoring and putting back together through your help of not just watching these kiddos, but, but showing kid, these kids Jesus, showing this family Jesus. And reunification is the main goal for all of those things. And so we got to be a small part in God's redemptive plan for those things. And so from the first time that we met Rain and Remington, um, which I didn't stay, we were very excited to have up to 30 kiddos in our home in one year. The very first placement that we got, we adopted. So, but that's not the way that it normally works. It's not the way that it normally works. Um, but as soon as we There's met, no there is no normal <laughs> in foster care, actually. Yeah. And as soon as we met these two, we started forming bonds and attachments. Um, and something that has been growing ever since. And um, one of the hard parts of this is that you don't only form bonds with them, you form bonds with their family, their parents, and whatever that looks like. Um, one of the hardest relationships you'll have is loving the, the people who, who uh, gave birth to, your, to them. Um, and that has been such a journey for us, uh, making you know, attachments with their siblings and um, the workers, and um, there's just a lot of relationship that is held together through this process, um, and we, we bought in, and we really, um, we knew that no matter what, Rain and Remy leaving us would break our hearts, and that was hard, loving them. I, that's one of the things when I tell people, you know, oh, you should foster, and they're like, oh, I don't know that I could let them go, and I'm like, you're an adult. You can do hard things for kids, so they don't have to do hard things. Like, you can do hard things. And, and it's so, not about you. And um, and so we knew that, and that was hard, and there were times I told Brandon, like, I'm getting too attached, and he's like, Morgan, that's the point, and I'm like, I know, but it's gonna hurt. Um, and we were prepared for that, um, and as much as we celebrate adoption, we also want to recognize that our children lost their family in that moment, and that is a loss for them. And we don't want to highlight that we were their saviors or that we, you know, they, they suffered, and, um, and they will suffer because of what they've already experienced. Um, we just hope that we can be a part of giving them something better, uh, but we don't want to negate the fact that they lost they had a significant loss as well. Um, so when we realized that, you know, reunification wouldn't be possible for Raiden and Remington, um, they said, like, well, adoption will be the goal. And we didn't really know what that looked like. And we talked with their attorney, and she was like, and we said, you know, we, we love them. We want them to stay. And she said, that won't happen. I'm telling you right now. And that was a hard phone call, and we swallowed it and said, okay. That's not going to happen, so we're going to invest in the people that it could happen with. We want to make this transition smooth. And um, I think that, you know, through lots of plans that didn't end up working out, um, we received the two greatest gifts that we've ever had. Um, and so, um, really, God moved so many mountains in our story. Um, but through it all, we learned that <clears throat> the power of prayer, not just with us, but with our people, our community that we developed. Um, we had a lot of people praying for us, for our kids, for their family, their biological family. Um, that was some of the harder prayers, was praying for the biological family. Um, and I learned to just tell God, like, listen, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I want. 
and I just want you to know that. Um, and not I, he had a plan, and so um, I feel like through this process, we've learned our faith has grown so much. We've learned a lot about um, we've been humbled. Hmm. Um, the we've um, struggled through judgment. We've struggled through loss, but our kids have struggled more. And so I'm, um, anyways, we were blessed to able to adopt Ryan Remington on September 13th. So it's exactly two months after our biological son was born. Um, and, um, but in reality, our family started the day that we got that text message, um, February 8th. February 8th. It was a Monday. I tested positive for COVID later that day. <laughs> when they came into our home. And then an ice storm hit. It was really yeah, and then the ice storm hit. And so for two, no, four weeks, yeah. we, we, were in, we were quarantined in our house with strangers. Uh, <laughs> they were quarantined in their house with strangers. Yes, too, that, so I, I mean, technically, we're both they, ways, they had it harder than we did. <laughs> um, so in this, in this journey, um, looking back, I think some of our hardest, the hardest moments and biggest challenges were just like Morgan said, not allowing our hearts to get hard. Um, so, you know, you, <laughs> uh, we memorize verses and stuff. And, you know, Jesus says, love your enemies, uh, treat them with respect. And the people that hurt you and the people that are your enemies, those are the ones that you bless. Um, and so I can memorize that all day long. Um, but man, I struggled and still struggle putting that into practice. Um, and I've shared that from the pulpit before, of that I personally have struggled with um, overarching pride, feeling, feeling like <laughs> that we are inherently better than other people on this planet, um, and then loving those people that have hurt people, yeah, people that we love, that's difficult. Um, and so God showing us all that stuff is that we're just as much in need of grace and forgiveness. Sometimes, if not more, <laughs> we just may not sin as loudly, um, just sin bigger in secret. We just don't have to say nothing. That's right. Um, but another difficult aspect, and I think that some of our people over here can attest to this, is um, having to work with the system. Um, that was really difficult. Um, you know, the... The truth is, is that um, the government isn't built to take care of orphans. Um, that's the church's job. That's what the church is built for. Because um, we're, we're called to go out and do that. And so working with an organization that is not built to do that and to do that well is very difficult. Uh, it's really tough co-parenting uh, with a machine um, that relies on rules and regulations more than true truly caring for and there are lots of people even in this room that are part of that system that truly care but the truth is is that you might truly care but you still have to follow through on regulations um, and those things may not be the best for or what you feel like are the best for your kiddos and in, in, in all honesty it's exhausting and we had lots of phone calls with the Manchesters and our people and our family and the Smiths and lots of other people about that but there was good things there are good things um because of foster care, we, and adoption, I guess, um, we have come to realize who are, who's part of our team, who's part of our community, 
Um, so many of you guys have watched Raina Nunnington while Brandon's teaching or in class or I'm at work. Um, so many of you guys, you know, have provided respite for us, um, which is, is you have to be like approved to be legal to do that, um, to drive them, to have them spend the night with you. Um, people, you know, bringing us food the day we got them and we were quarantined. Someone brought us a ton of groceries because we were stuck inside. Our neighborhood packed our whole porch full of toys for the kids when we got them because we didn't know how old our kids were going to be when we got them and we didn't know kind of what to have. We had beds and I think we had PB&Js, but they don't even like PB&Js. We had so many PB&Js, and they said, they this is like not good. Them. And they're like, no, good. what do we do? We better like PB&Js. Mac and cheese. Um, yeah, hot dogs. Um, but, the, I mean, I literally cannot understate the importance and the gratefulness and thankfulness that we have for those people because they have been the people who have kept our heads above water, and they've loved Rain and Rennington. And so really, they, you know, Raina and Ernie, they didn't just get a family when they came to us. They got a huge community of people who love them and support them and will do anything for them. Um, and so, number one, that's my, my biggest thanks um, during this process. Um, also, getting to watch them grow. I know you guys have all seen them too, but Remington knew three words when we got him. He knows a lot more than three words now. A lot more. Um, and Raina was changing Remy's diapers. She was four. She was changing her brother's diapers. And the day that she felt comfortable enough to let me do that, I was like, I really want to do it, Raina. Please, real, I really want to do it. And she's like, okay, you can do it. And that was huge um, for her to trust me enough to do that. Um, just the growth that we've seen in there mental health, their emotional health, their physical health. Um, that's been amazing. Um, we also, in our specific case, have maintained good relationships with a lot of their biological family. And that's something that we're very, very thankful for as well. Um, and it's safe for the, us to have done that. Um, and so getting to remind Rain and Rennie of where they came from and the inheritance that they have through their biological family, but also the gift that they have through their adoptive family. Um, they they kind of get the best of, of the two. And so um, even having them on our team has been huge just for filling in those gaps of like, we don't understand why Raina always tells me when there's stop signs. Like, why does she have to do that? And then they fill in and say, well, well when she was growing up, this is what happened. It's like, oh, that makes so much sense. You're not, I'm not crazy. Um, and so just, I, I just want to harp on like the growth and the community and the support. Those are things that are just so valuable to us. And we in turn want to be that for people. Um, we technically are a closed foster home right now. Um, I literally don't know where we would put another child. <laughs> um, some days we, we talk about it. We got a lot of calls. Even one time at the dinner table, we got a call with Rain and Rennie and Faden and um, Raina was like, are we gonna, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Are they, am I gonna have to share a room? That was her question, am I gonna have to share a room? And I was like, one day probably. But right now we wanna, we wanna love you guys. And, um, and so that's kind of what we're doing now, but we're committed to, we're still very close with lots of people who are actively fostering children or providing respite. And 
just to support that we can give back is something that we feel called to now as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I, I think I want to go ahead. Okay. Um. Oh, so our challenge. <laughs> Sorry. We're going long. Let's keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I forgot it's the green. That's me. Okay. Um, so our challenge, um, we don't have verses up here, anything. Um, we have a six and a four-year-old and a newborn, so we, we were not as prepared. This verse is wonderful. But um, my challenge is, what injustice in the world are you passionate about? Where do you see a need? And if you don't, why do you not? And how can you? And I'm not saying everyone needs to be a foster parent. I, I'm not saying that. But the people who made fostering easy, you can be that. You can drop off meals. You can babysit. You can provide respite. It's, you know, a weekend here and there or a few days. Um, we're all qualified. And so I just, that was my biggest thing is, like, there are so many injustices. It's not just with, with kids. Um, but find something that you're passionate about and get involved. It's really easy. We were so comfortable, y'all. It was just me and Brandon and our two dogs, and it was great. But how much more have we gained through stepping into discomfort? Um, there's just not enough. You can't even put words to it. Um, and there are so many people in this world who are already uncomfortable. And so for you to be able to give a piece of your comfort to them can be so, so healing. Yeah, and uh, you know we're we're all busy. We were very busy, and we're definitely not qualified. Um, if you wanted kiddos to go have good parents, don't choose us because we're not parents. And we don't know what that is. We know how to keep dogs alive. That's about it. Um, but the truth is that we're all called. But the question is, are we going to say yes to whatever injustice that you can think of? The question, and God constantly is asking, who am I going to who am I going to send? Are you going to say yes? And I'm asking us now, pre-decide in this moment to say yes whenever God calls. Say yes. What's crazy is that if you look through scripture, anytime that God calls anybody to do anything, it's never easy. Moses, go and tell the most powerful person in the entire world to let go his three million slaves. That's not easy. Every call is not easy. God's calling us to do something. He's calling you to do something. Predecide in this moment to say yes whenever God calls to those things. Um, as Ryan read, true religion is this, is that you look after the, the orphans and the widows in their affliction. That's something that's unspotted, something that's holy. So, as a church, um, can this be the norm? Can we be a church that makes a significant dent in foster care or the injustices that we see? Can we make it the norm? I think that we can so that's offering respite, cooking, babysitting, writing a card, bringing gifts, texting, calling encouragements, those kinds of things. We can do something because the truth is, is that we know the stats. We know the needs. The question is, will we say yes to those things? I'll close with this. <laughs> um, we tell our kids all the time, you can do hard things because they've been through hard things. So they're tough because of those things. Can we do hard things? Can we do hard things? We love y'all. We're so blessed by this family, obviously, and the people that we have here and here and everywhere. We couldn't do this without y'all. Thank you, guys.
was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I didn't know my father. I was alone. Helpless. Hopeless. I had no family. I didn't belong to anyone. To anyone. To anyone. I was an orphan. No one saw me. No one knew me. I was invisible. I was lost. I was lost. No one claimed me. No one said, he's mine. She's mine. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was hungry. Like all the food in the world couldn't fill me up. I was vulnerable. Unprotected, at risk, cold, tired. Tired. I'm tired. I thought I didn't matter. I thought no one cared. No one cared. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. But I was found. But I was found. I was found. Someone stepped in. Someone saw me. I was sought, pursued, wanted, known. I was an orphan. But now I belong. Now I belong. Now I belong. I'm embraced. A sister. A brother. I know my father. I know my father. I know my father. I was an orphan. But I am loved. At great cost. I am restored. I am restored. And for the first time, I know that I am valued, prized, forever. 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 I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. We're all orphans. So I care for orphans. So I care for orphans. I was an orphan. So I care for orphans. pay attention to some of the words that were used in that video we just watched feeling lost feeling abandoned alone and no one cares no one claimed me and there's a lot of us that are sitting in this room that know exactly how that feels there's there's people watching online right now that know exactly what what that is like and whether that's because of a broken home situation or just situations in life where I feel like nobody cares nobody knows me nobody has a heart for me I'm alone I'm abandoned and there's probably some of us maybe many of us in this room they're like ah, I've never felt that way I've always had somebody that cares about me I've always been connected to somebody I, I, I've never had that feeling of emptiness and, and no one claiming me but to be honest with you we should all have a sense of that because we've all We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all had brokenness in our lives, and we've all broken things in our lives. And that sin, that, as, as was mentioned earlier, that, that separates us. That causes us to be disconnected from people who care about us and disconnected from our, from our God. And that's what sin and brokenness has done in this world. It has disconnected us from the one who loves us most. And yet Jesus didn't want to leave us that way. He didn't want us to, to, to leave us abandoned and alone and, 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 and uncared for. And so he sent his son to pay the price and to buy us back and to adopt us as his children. 
And that's what scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says this, he says, God decided, this is, this is the way one translation puts it, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. I love the way that that reads. That I was lost. I was abandoned. I was alone because of my sin. And my God adopted me, made me one of his kids through a horrible sacrifice of his only son. He sacrificed his child so that I could become his child. And the, the amazing thing about that is he wanted to. It made him happy to do that. And God looks at me now as we read in 1 John chapter 3, and he looks at me now and says, man, that's one of mine. That's my child. That's what the cross does for all of us. We're talking today about foster care and about adoption and about, about taking broken children and, and hurting children and abandoned children and making them feel loved. And folks, that's what God does for us through his son Jesus on a regular basis. And I hope you remember that today. So we're going to sing a song celebrating the love that God has for us. And we're going to take communion together and remind ourselves of how loved we are because of the cross. And we'll wrap up our worship just after that. But I want in this moment, as we take communion together, as we eat a little piece of bread and drink a little bit of juice and, and go through a routine that for many of us often just becomes just another thing we do on a Sunday morning. I want us to be mindful today as, as we are reminded of the, the awfulness and at the same time the beauty of the cross. I want us all to be reminded today when we're adopted kids that God was excited to make part of his family. Let's celebrate that as we take communion together. Let's sing first. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleasing that I'm never It's who you are, it's who you are. 
God, thank you for today again. Thank you for reminding us of, of how good a father you are and how amazing a father you are for us and, and how you have made us your children through the cross, through the blood of your son Jesus. And, and God, as we partake of this bread, as we eat this bread, may we be reminded of the sacrifice that he made, that his body was killed in our place, that we were rescued from our sin uh, and, and our mistakes and our shortcomings by his sacrifice on the cross. And may that be in our hearts, and may we be thankful for that today as we take this bread. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's pray for the cup. Father God, thank you again for your love, for your compassion, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace that you give us uh, freely on a daily basis. Every day we wake up with new experiences of, of your grace and compassion for us. And right now, God, we are so thankful for the love that you showed us by sending Jesus to the cross. Let that never become something just trivial in our minds. Let us always be moved by the kind of love that, sh that you showed us and the, the amazing compassion he had for us by choosing to go to the cross for us. Thank you again for making us your children through his blood. And as we drink this cup, bless it and uh, allow our hearts to be focused on um, how that blood continually washes us clean as your children. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I do want to share just a couple of things with you very quickly. Of course, apparently, according to Jolene, I don't care how long I take. So uh, I may be up here a while for all you know. Um, I, hope, I hope that something has resonated with you today. Uh, I hope that, that you've been moved, that you've been touched by what you've heard uh, and, and seen today.
Um, this church, this church family has a tradition uh, of caring about kids and about families, uh, no matter how we define that. And uh, we we want to continue to do that. And we want this to be a place where we um, encourage and, and maybe even empower people to get involved in, in these kids' lives. Last statistic that, or the most recent one that I could find, is that there are currently 4,600 kids in the state of Arkansas in need of foster care, or they're in the foster system right now. 4,600 in this state. Uh, there are 290 some odd, can't remember if it's 292 or 296, um, uh, kids that are, that are in the in an adopted waiting to be adopted um, so you think about that I mean we're approaching 5,000 kids just in our state that don't have a safe home that don't have um, people in their lives that that even for a weekend uh, might be able to take care of them and, and I think we can help with that whatever that looks like and maybe that is us t- being willing to st- to step out in faith and, and be that place or to empower those who are making that, that choice. Um, and we, we've done that in the past. I want us to keep doing that. I want us to keep growing in that. I want Flagstone, I, that almost sounds prideful, but I, I really want Flagstone to be known as a place that helps families and helps children. We've, we've got people who are doing that. We've got foster parents here. We've got people who have adopted. You've heard some of those stories today. We've hosted training sessions for the call to, to help train families to get ready to be foster parents. I hope we keep doing those things. But I also hope that we don't walk out of here today going, well, that's great. That's great that Flagstone is doing something. I, I, want it to be, I want it to be personal. I want us all to think today, what can I do? How can I somehow bless these kids or bless the people who are blessing these kids? So the last, the very last scripture, 2 Corinthians, guys, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 13. We talked about 2 Corinthians 9 a couple weeks ago, and I, I just wanted, we didn't, we didn't share this specific verse, and I want to show it to you today, and I'll, and I'll be done. But Paul is talking about being generous and, and, and taking the blessings that we have and pouring those into the lives of other people, right? We've, we talked about that. And that's what, that's what you've Witness today, that's what these families have done. They've taken what they have, what God has blessed them with, and poured it into the lives of these kids. So here's what Paul says. When we take the things that God has given us and we bless other people with those things, he says in verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. What Paul is saying is, once I recognize that I am an adopted child of the king of the universe. And I recognize all the things that he has done and continues to do for me. And then I bless someone else in that way. And in our, in our context, what we're talking about today, when I take the time and, and put the energy and, and I, I bless these kids that need to know what love and compassion and hope feels like. When I do that, they're not only thankful, they get to see Jesus. They get to see 
the compassion that I have received, the grace that I have received, the love, the adoption that I have received from my God, they get to see that on display. And that's what I want our community to see through us. That we are flawed, imperfect people who have a perfect, loving Father that has adopted us. And because of that, we are going to do whatever we can to bless imperfect, flawed families and love on kids that need to know what that's like so they can see him through us. So I know this is one of those mornings where a lot of times we have, I don't know, whatever your church history calls it, an altar call, a response time, an invitation song. And we're going to do that today. And in that moment, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a song together as we do every Sunday because we want to provide the opportunity for people who are here who, who in that moment are saying, man, there's something on my heart that I want to share. There's something I need prayers for. There's something I need help with. There's, there's some forgiveness I need. There's some strength that I need. And, and I'm asking this church for it. We're going to provide that opportunity for you. When we stand together and sing, you can walk down and share with us anything. It may have nothing to do with foster care and adoption. There's just something on your heart today that you're saying to yourself, I need help. I can't carry this burden on my own. Or maybe this morning you might even be thinking, I, I want to do something about this. I want to get involved. I want to foster. I want to die. I don't know how, but that's on my heart. You're welcome to come share that with us. Say, I just need prayers because I don't even know where to start. And I'm scared to death right now, but I can't help this feeling that's on my heart right now. We will pray about that too. Because we're a family. And that's what families do. We recognize how loved we are by God and we show that love and compassion to everybody that we can. So let us, if there's something on your heart that you need lifted or helped with today, share that with us. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing and you can come share whatever needs you have and we will surround you with love and support and acceptance and grace and help so you don't have to feel abandoned or alone anymore. Can we help you? We want to. Let us know how. Watch together we stay in the same. I have a maker. He formed my Yeah.
Great to have you all this morning. What a what a powerful message. What a wonderful what a wonderful thing to think about. And it's, and it's always shocking to me when we look back in the Bible how God knew how important loving families were and the people that need that the most. I, a lot of you may not know this, but I'm one of the uh, judges for uh, Benton County, and, and I and part of that duty is I do all the foster care cases for Benton County. And it's one of the most gut-wrenching things I do. I mean, you you never want to mess that that uh, part of my docket up, especially when you're having to decide, am I going to create orphans today? And one thing that I can tell you I truly, truly appreciate is knowing when I have to make that call, when I get to do the adoptions, and I've been fortunate to get to do a lot of these adoptions, when you have loving Christian families that take those kids in with that, that's powerful, and, and there's just not enough homes, and, you know, we're just short homes, uh, and, you know, today's not a day just to beg you to make that your calling, but just to listen to the stories, and if that does become your calling, it's a real need, so so just thank you for your all's test testimonies this morning, it's powerful. Real quick, don't forget to give, if you could, please, we've got the online or the baskets in the back, also, uh, with our classes, you know, we've now started our classes back up. They're at 9 o'clock. Uh, we have adult classes going. Don't forget uh, to get back in the routine if you could with that. Uh, and then as we go throughout, the holidays are starting. It's great. I know we've had a lot of people coming in today. It's great to have you. Just be careful traveling, uh, and let's be there for each other. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for, for being who you are and, and letting us here understand uh, the hearts that you want of us and we got to hear those testimonies today and what an impact that you know uh, focusing on you and allowing our hearts to serve what we can do for others and what lives we can change for others and father we just pray you give us the strength and the ability to maximize that uh, when we can and every which way we can father be with those who are in need uh, we know uh, throughout the week people have tough times going on tough things going on and we really want to be there for each other father just help us uh, in all we do to serve you and glorify you in these things we ask in your son's name amen all right let's stand as we close this morning shout hallelujah shout hallelujah shout hallelujah unto the lord shout hallelujah come on now Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before his throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God, 